Hi everyone, welcome to episode number eight. I'm here with my friend Arusa. Arusa, feel free to say what's up. Hi everyone, I'm so excited to be here. Um, so Arusa is a graduated senior from South River High School in Edgewater, Maryland, and Arusa will be attending Johns Hopkins University in the fall, majoring in economics and international studies, minoring in applied mathematics. So just a little bit about Johns Hopkins. Johns Hopkins is one of the most pre- prestigious colleges in the nation, ranked number nine in national universities by U.S. News and World Reports. Located in Baltimore, Maryland, the acceptance rate for this year was 9.9%, with 29,128 applicants and only 2,894 accepted students, or receiving one of them. And the average admitted Hopkins student SAT score was a 1510 and the ECT score of 34. So I know that stats totally aren't everything at all. Like there's so much more in application, but Arusa, I was wondering if you could share with me your just your general statistics. Yeah, definitely. So should I start with GPA? Yeah, that's good. Okay, so my unweighted GPA throughout high school was a 4.0, and then my weighted GPA was a 4.58. Um, I think this is what I ended up submitting to my colleges, but by the time I graduated, it might have changed. I haven't checked that GPA yet. (laughs) (laughs) Um, For my SAT, I did send an SAT score. Um, My super scored SAT was a 1530, and then not super scored, it was a 1480. So there definitely was like a change there. Honestly, I think that these past few years, the SAT has lost so much value, more institutions are beginning to realize that a strong applicant can't just be judged on numbers. I would say that if you take the SAT or ACT and it doesn't hit your median score for that school that you want to apply to, don't send it. You honestly don't need to. If you have a bang and essay and genuine extracurriculars, like extracurriculars that you love with all your heart and the admissions officers can tell, then that should be more than enough to demonstrate your character to schools. But is it is it possible to like submit SAT scores to some schools and not all? Yeah, definitely. When you submit your SAT scores, you do it through College Board. And so there's like a little checklist where you can check off what schools you're sending what specific scores to. Um, and that's also where you can choose if you're super scoring your scores or not. So definitely, you don't have to send your scores to all your schools. And if you don't think that it'll help at a particular school, I just wouldn't send that. Okay. Um, but like for your SAT, did you like did you spend a lot of time studying thinking that it was gonna matter a lot? Yes. And honestly, if I regret one thing in high school, it's probably the amount of time I studied for the SAT. So during the COVID year, when we were completely virtual, school was online, everything was online basically, and we were at home. I took that entire year and I just studied for the SAT. I started doing 15 questions every day on Khan Academy and then about like two or three weeks in I started doing 30 questions every day and by the time I was two months into studying I was doing 60 Khan Academy questions every day, 30 of them math and then 30 of them reading and writing and then every Sunday I would do a full-length practice test. That was like for a year. That was horrible. I honestly, like, I didn't mind it too much because I did get the hang of the questions and I had time. Yeah. But, like, that's not normal and I would not recommend that to anyone. And no one needs to do that. Like, you do not need to study that much. Um, so I did study a lot thinking that I would need it for the test. But honestly, the SAT is more like common sense and knowing how to take a test less than the actual content. Like, process of elimination came in handy for me. Knowing when to use a calculator when I was stuck on a question was really handy. Uh-huh. Um, things like context clues. It's more of how to take a test and less than the actual content. Okay, yeah, that's really interesting because my SAT score right now is, it's good, but it's not great. And I was planning on this summer, like, studying more and taking the August one, but that's really interesting. That makes, I don't know. I'm not sure if it's, I don't think it's too late necessarily, but, like, I don't know. It's very just interesting to think about. Honestly, like, I would, before even signing up to take the test again, I would have a conversation with yourself and see if you even need to take it. Because the trend that I've seen, especially with a lot of my friends that got into some 
insane schools without taking the SAT or ACT or not sending their scores was like insane. I know so many people that got into Harvard and Yale, especially this year, and they did not send their SAT score. Um, they were just, you know, great people and their schools could tell that they were great people. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, I'll definitely have to keep that in mind. But so talking about activities that you're genuinely passionate about, um, what activities were you involved in high school? I know that there's a lot, but were there some that were more uh, meaningful to you? Yeah, so my favorite part of high school is definitely the dope and like insanely amazing, insanely, insanely <laughs> amazing people I've met. And a lot of that is attributed to the extracurriculars that I'm in. When I first started as a freshman, I didn't know anyone and I felt really out of place, but a lot of my teachers encouraged me to join a club or two and meet new people that way. Mm -hmm. And I think the first club I joined was either Red Cross or our school STEM family committee. And I literally fell in love. Like it was so nice having somewhere to go and seeing friendly faces. And I think because of that love, I started joining clubs that I was interested in, and I was really able to make high school the best four years of my life. If you want, I could go down my common app extracurricular list. Yeah, that's what Judy did. If that's easier for you, that's good. Okay. So the first activity that I have on the common app was Backpacks for Baltimore. Um, This was a club that my friends and I started towards the end of freshman year. And I think all of us being new to high school, wanted to create a club that our friends could join while also giving back to our local community. So it was like killing two birds with one stone almost. Um, The goal of backpacks was to raise money in order to purchase school supplies that would go inside of those backpacks and then be delivered to Title I schools in Baltimore City. Uh Um, All of us grew up relatively close to Baltimore. I know you have, you probably have experience with Baltimore to some point in your life, Katie. Yes. And we understand like how the lack of education can be detrimental to people and the city in general. So we thought that leveling the playing field for kids who couldn't afford typical school supplies would help address this issue. Um, It was also just a lot of fun. We did after-school fundraisers. We did online things during COVID. We had an officer team. Every meeting, I always burst out laughing because someone does something silly. Um, we're just having fun and doing good for the community. And I love backpacks for that. Yeah, that's what you guys had a lot of people in that too. Uh, oh my gosh, it was... So first, the first year that we had it, we did a lot of advertising. Like we got all of our friends to join. We got their friends to join. And then we got their moms to join. Like we... <laughs> We did a lot of advertising, but ultimately, like, Backpacks ended up being the club for our friends and us to do good. So all of our friends were in this club, and then they talked to their friends about it, and then they talked to underclassmen about it. And I think that's kind of how Backpacks grew. Yeah. Um, so for my second activity on my common app list, I put down CRASC, which is the Chesapeake Regional Association of Student Councils. Um, And this is kind of like our countywide SGA. So every single middle and high school in Maryland has a student government association. You know, you've got like student government president, vice president, all of those. And then all of the counties in Maryland have their own regional or countywide student council as well that kind of oversee the local SGAs and report back to the state SGA which is MASC in our case, the Maryland State Association of Student Councils. And so I joined CRASC towards the end of my sophomore year, the beginning of my junior year. I just went to a few general meetings and I loved like how everyone came together in this like Google meet and just talked about issues and how we could solve them in AACPS. And these were like everything from sixth graders to seniors coming together to talk about issues and they were coming from all different parts of the county. Uh I just love that so much. So I decided to apply to join the executive board my junior year and I served as outreach coordinator. So basically I went to local SGAs, I talked to them a little bit about CRASC, I told them how they could join and I just basically tried to expand CRASC and then 
towards the end of my junior year, I ran for class president just because I loved it so much. <laughs> and um, that campaign was probably one of the craziest things I did in high school because I put a lot of time and effort into campaigning on Instagram and my speech and my debate and just all of these things for class president. And I'm really, really, really grateful that I won that position. And so my senior year, I had the opportunity to serve as class president, kind of overseeing the council as a whole. So that was my second extra. Um, I'm just activity. curious, how many people did you run against? So I ran against one other person. But let me tell you, she was an amazing candidate. And she was also my friend at the time. So it was definitely tough to run because it's like both of these people are so well matched. Yeah. And both of them would be great as president. So um, I think that's why it was it was tough for me to run. Yeah. Um, my second extracurricular activity, or I already said my second, my third, I rather, is Key Club. And I know this is something that you're into, Katie. I love Key Club. Key Club is just so awesome. I joined, this is one of those clubs that I joined earlier throughout high school. I think I joined freshman or sophomore year. Just as like a normal member. And I loved like all of the service projects we did. We made peanut butter and jelly sandwiches for the lighthouse shelter. Um, we went outside and I think we made puppy socks that one year. It was so fun. Everyone had like popsicles too. It was just a great time. And we were like a little family. Um, junior year. So that was the COVID year again. Oh, Lord. Junior year, I ran for editor and webmaster. And I think I ran unopposed. I don't remember. I think I might have run against one other person. But I ended up getting that position um, because I wanted like an easy way to introduce myself into leadership at Key Club. Yeah. And I honestly fell in love with that position. Like I had to make a monthly newsletter and I got so familiar with using graphic design and Canva. And I used Adobe Photoshop at one point too. And it was just so cool like learning those skills while making these newsletters. And then I was also the webmaster, meaning I ran the social media cam accounts for Key Club. I ran the Twitter, the Instagram, and I had a great time doing that too. I think I was able to like really spruce up my online skills. That's um, Yeah, that's and that's cool. more important than you'd think too. Yes, definitely. I had a great time doing that. And then end of junior year, I ran for president because, um, you know, all these organizations that I really do love, I ended up running for president because I was like, how could I make this organization one where people feel the same way that I did when I first joined, you know? Uh -huh. And so running for president for a few of these organizations kind of gave me a way to do that. And so I served as key club president um, my senior year. Yeah. My fourth extracurricular was student government association at south river sophomore year i was a class officer uh, junior year i was vice president we have two vice presidents so i was one of them and then senior year i served as student government president and i think the big thing with running for student government president was the fact that we were coming out of like that weird <laughs> COVID year and everyone felt so dissociated from school yep. and no one had school spirit. I just wanted to do something that would make people feel like South of Rosie Blocks again. You yes, know? that was a big role to fill for sure. Like this is, that was probably like the toughest year to ever be SGA president. It was, it was tricky, but I am so happy that we had a good team to figure it out. You know, I mean, you were there, Katie. We did a pep rally for the first time in like two years. We had in-person spirit weeks. And then the door decorating, that was so oh, fun. Oh, yes, yes. Competition where different um, grades had to decorate doors and the, the best door was judged by administration and they won a prize. Um, we held service projects throughout the year, like school-wide service projects that anyone could get involved with. Um, it was just a really great time. And I think having that like in-person SGA back after this weird pandemic was really, really important to the yes. students. And I'm so, so happy that I could stick with SGA throughout high school. Let's see, my next extracurricular, my, num my, my fifth one was a social justice group that I was a part of called Let's Talk Justice. And of all of the extracurriculars that I was in, the one that I feel like I made 
the most personal or tangible impact was Let's Talk mm-hmm. Texas. So this organization was created in the wake of George Floyd's murder. And we basically wanted to expand the conversation about equity and anti-racism throughout the county. So we hosted countywide panel discussions on various social justice topics. We had general meetings. Every month we hosted one general meeting ranging from topics to crime in the AAPI community and an increase of hate crimes to colorism and what it is and what we can do to ensure that we aren't we aren't supporting colorism, things like that. Um, and through Let's Talk Justice, I was able to one, learn about so many different movements and endeavors that I didn't even know about, and two, kind of talk about some social justice endeavors that were important to me and see other people's perspective change. You know, we had we had like freshmen who are new to high school coming to these meetings, not knowing what equity meant, leaving with a better understanding. And I think that was really, really important to me and the planning committee for Let's Talk Justice. Yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah, I'm, I'm really, really grateful that I was in Let's Talk Justice. I I probably am going to miss that a little bit. My sixth activity was I was a part of the Anne Arundel County Service Learning Leadership Team throughout junior and senior year. And basically, it's a countywide um, service learning team of students that helps create projects for people to participate in at the countywide level. So for AACPS, which is our school system, we have a department of service learning. And you might you might know this, Katie, but like everyone's required to do some sort of service learning throughout yeah. high school. And a lot of times you get that credit. Through like yeah, I'm doing class, mine literally right, right now in AP Lang. Yes, exactly. And so what the Department of Service Learning does is they oversee that, make sure that students are volunteering, getting their hours in, and then also for students that want to go above and beyond and do extra community service, we come up with projects and opportunities for them to get involved. So last year during, like one example I think of, and one example that I helped out with was last year we had a coat drive where for several months we had students run boxes in front of different areas in our county, like in front of schools and libraries. Um, And we did advertisements hosting, like advertising the coat drive, telling people that they could donate whatever, and it would make a difference. And we were able to collect hundreds of coats that we donated. to. That's amazing. It was, it was really cool. Organizations in Baltimore, rather. It was really, really cool. And so we just do kind of service things like that. Um, what else? Number seven was the STEM family committee and the STEM newsletter, which I was a part of since my freshman year. So I'm in the STEM, um, I'm in the STEM magnet program at South River, you know that. And, um, one thing that they have is a STEM family committee that helps plan events for STEM students and also ambassador events for middle schoolers who might be interested in the program, but just need to, you know, come to the school, shadow kids, learn a little bit more about it. And so my junior year, I started the STEM newsletter, which was basically um, an online newsletter that went out to teachers, parents, and STEM students about what we're doing in the program, what students are up to, and upcoming opportunities, things like that. And again, it was during the COVID pandemic, like virtual year. And I'm really, really glad that we did that because it gave people insight on what STEM was up to when we felt so separated from each other. um, Yeah, I made sure to read that too. It was like very insightful for that year. Yay, I'm so glad. It was long. I think one one month, the newsletter must have been 22 (laughs) pages long. Like it was long. Um, but I, I tried to whittle it down as I, as I went on. Um, and so that's my seventh activity. My eighth was a religious knowledge teacher for my Sunday school, um, which was called Tahir Academy. And so I'm a Muslim. And ever since I was little, I went to Sunday school. We, we had Arabic lessons. We had religious knowledge lessons um, and things like that. And so once I had graduated out of Sunday school, I went back and became a teacher. So 
every Sunday I would go and teach little kids, like I think they were in seventh, second grade, most of them, about religious knowledge topics. We had a book. I would walk them through the book, host activities with them. I was kind of like their teacher for one day. That's cute. So it was cute. And the kids were so cute too. That was my eighth activity. My ninth activity was I was a part of the County Executive Youth Advisory Council. And this is something that started, I think, two years ago. So I was one of the very first people on the council. Basically, our county executive, Stuart Pittman, wanted to start a council of young people to get policy um, ideas and like feedback on different things going on in our county that would affect young people specifically. So he hosted this council where it was an application process. They were taking one student from every single public high school in Anne Arundel County, two private school kids, and then two students who were currently in college, and they made a council out of all of these kids. And we met every month to discuss um, things going on at the county. Mr. Pittman wasn't typically at the meetings, and we would talk to him about some of these issues too. A lot of the times, um, it would be legislation-related things. So there would be a bill going through the Maryland General Assembly that would impact us as as you know, young people in the county. And so he would be like, okay, what do we do about this? Do we support it? Does this follow my platform? Can we sponsor the bill? What could we do? And so we did that um, as a part of the Youth Advisory Council. And that's something I did my junior and senior year. I think for three months, I served as chairwoman of that council, my junior year. Who is is our school representative now? Is it Jaden? No, it's, you know, you know, Ethan Taylor, right? Yeah, he's filling my spe- seat. So we have two-year terms, and now that I'm leaving, he's going <sighs> to fill my seat. So that is hilarious. I'm excited. Yes, it's man. These tennis kids—they're just—they're yes. built at a different level. And my last activity was the Maryland Association of Student Councils, which was basically um, state student government. This was activity number ten. Junior year, I was a certified workshop presenter, and senior year, I was on the executive team as special issues director. So I basically helped with whatever they would need. I ran the special issues department of our state student council. We collaborated on conferences, meetings, operations of the council, and I just tried to be a good leader throughout that. Uh, The Maryland Association of Student Councils is pretty massive, and so they need a lot of people helping out with all sorts of different facets. And that's just kind of what I was doing in my position as special issues. Wow, director. I do not know how you had the time for all that. <laughs> it was fun. I had fun doing all of it, honestly. Like, now that I think back on it, it, it did seem like a lot, but, it, you know, these type of things, they don't feel like a lot when you're having fun and you're laughing and smiling. That's very life. true. That makes sense. It's so cliche. Yeah, that true. is very yeah. true. Um, But which would you say was your I mean I guess if you don't look at it as like I guess if you look at it as more of like fun which it is for you that might be hard this might be harder to answer but what did you think was your most time consuming was it one of the first couple ones that you put on your application probably I mean if you if you're saying time consuming in like a year like what what did I spend the most time on in one year I would probably say craft but like the the extracurricular that the extracurricular activity that I was most involved in throughout my life for the most amount of time was probably teaching Sunday school. So in a longitudinal it's like in a longitudinal way, I would probably say Fire Academy Sunday school. But in terms of like what I think was the most time consuming extracurricular, I would say craft just because we had to have three to four meetings every single month that lasted for two hours. Um, we had exec team meetings and general meetings and then we also had meetings that would pop up throughout the month for like random things we had committees and as class president I would try my best to make sure I was at every single meeting even when I didn't have to be just because I felt like sometimes my presence was important or necessary or at least meaningful yeah. for the rest of the team um, and then also since this was kind of post online virtual learning, the the height of the pandemic, I was also going to a lot of in-person things. So I would go to the Board of Education sometimes. I would 
go to different schools when we would have meetings. We had like a joint service learning craft meeting one day, I think it was in December, at some sort of church that we had rented. And so I would go to that. And so there was a lot of like online and in-person stuff when it came to craft. And so because of that, I would probably say that it was my most time consuming. Okay. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. Um, so I know that all these interesting activities probably tapped into your interest of how you pursued your major, but, um, did you have, did these, or I'm just asking, I guess, did these, um, activities kind of pike your interest in economics, international studies, or would you say that you picked that for some other reason? I definitely think it had to do with the extracurriculars. Now, when it comes to like STEM kids, you know, a lot of us go into engineering or computer science. A lot of, you know, people are pre-med or they want to do something with medicine. Yeah, that's why I, that's why I was curious because like, I know that we're both in STEM, but it's a lot of people doing engineering starting mm-hmm. and computer science and stuff like that, you know? Yeah. And when I, when I first came into high school, I thought I wanted to be a doctor. Like, I thought that's what I wanted to do. I thought that was like my life's calling. But I realized that I didn't really want to be a doctor. One, I think it was just more like the prestige and the fact that I could tell people, oh, I'm a doctor and they would, you know, change their facial expression. But also like I hate blood and medical school is so long. And as someone who like, I think I'm a pretty determined person, but I don't think I would be able to get through medical school. Let alone even like pre-med, I don't think I'd be able to do that. Like I have a lot of respect for pre-meds and med students because it's a lot, um, it's a lot to go through. But I think when I joined these extracurricular activities and I really got involved with them, especially the social justice related ones, student government, a lot of student government and things like that, I realized that I love policy And I really enjoy seeing it in action. And so I started thinking about careers. And at one point, I really wanted to be a teacher. And I think that's something that, like, before I die, I I want to teach something. Yeah, I really see you being a teacher. Like, I would love to be a teacher. That, That would be so cool. But I was thinking a little bit more about my career. And I think what I really want to do with my life is go into litigation. Like, I want... I really want to be a lawyer, you know? Uh-huh. And I think my experiences with some of these extracurriculars helped feel that. Moreover, it helped fuel my interest in public defense. So, like, being a lawyer for the state um, and representing people who can't afford to pay for lawyers, especially in areas like Baltimore or Chicago or New York City where we see poverty rates, you know, skyrocketing. So I really want to be a public defender. And I know, you know, I was talking to people about this. I have some family um, members who are also attorneys and they're like, Arusa, you know, there's like no money in public defense. Like you're going to be broke. And I was like, I'll figure out a way. Like I used to, I used to worry a lot about money when I was younger. And I'm like, I want to have a job that, you know, where I'm making a million dollars a year, (laughs) absolute most money. But after the COVID pandemic and just being like stuck at home and having way too much time to think about myself and my future, I realized I just want to do something where I can one, make the world around me a little bit of a better place because like everyone knows that the the world needs a little bit of improvement right now. (laughs) I would say so too. (laughs) And two, I want to do something that I love because it's like like with these extracurriculars, none of them felt arduous or like a job to me because I loved every single one of them. I loved all of the people I was working with. And for me, it was all fun. Like it was it was so much fun. And so I want to have a job where I'm having fun at the same time. And I think I think public defense will give me the opportunity to do that. That makes that's the most perfect response. That makes a lot of sense. I also like really know what you mean about clubs. I feel like people sometimes will just join clubs and try to be super involved super quick, but not for the right reasons, you know? Yes, 100%. And I know other people will probably listen to this podcast episode because it's on Spotify. It's public. Yeah. But like for anyone else listening, my biggest thing, especially for the high schoolers, is do what you love. I, when I 
you know, first learned about the college application process and I was a freshman in high school, I was like, oh my God, I need to join 12 clubs right now. I need to be an officer in every single one of them. I need to start my essay for college this very minute. And um, I'm glad I, I grew out of that mind space quickly because that is not the way to go at all. And yeah. when it comes to college admissions, these are people who have read thousands of applications and they've been doing it for years. They can sniff out, you know, when there's a lack of authenticity or a lack of passion very, very easily. So do things that you love because it's very, very easy for an, an admissions officer to see someone and judge them based off of their character, knowing that they love the things that they do. So yes, that's my one piece of advice. <laughs> very interesting. Yeah, because like I um, am like very involved with Key Club, as you know, and then also mm-hmm. FBLA. Like I'm serving as our chapter president yeah. next year, and then also the re- that's amazing. Oh, thank you. And then also as um, the regional vice president, but I was um, I also was just. Um, elected as the National Honor Society president. But as I was filling, like people, everyone was talking about um, applying and stuff like that. And I was like really considering running for either president or vice president. But everyone was telling me how much work it would be. But deep down, I was like, I don't really care because I've had so much fun in Key Club and FBLA this year. Mm -hmm. And it's National Honor Society. I feel like we didn't have as much going on as like I would like to, but I like would love to change that next year. And like, I don't know. It's just, it's very something that's like my speed. You know what I mean? I'm just really excited to serve next year, but um, more onto just the application process. Congratulations Mm -hmm. on Hopkins. First of all, (laughs) that's amazing. Um, I just wanted to hear kind of just about the application process in general, also because I'm literally starting it in like three months, but um, how many colleges approximately, if you, if you can remember, how many did you apply to? Yeah, so I applied to a total of eight schools. Oh, wow. I thought it would be more. (laughs) I thought it was going to be more, too. But um, I know people that, you know, apply to 20 schools, which I think is so unnecessary. Unless unless you have the money, the time, and the passion to do so, do what you want. But 20 schools, even 50, anything more than 10, I feel like would have been a lot for me. Um, When I, like, started my college list junior year, it had, like, 25 schools on it. And then I really had to sit down and look at these schools. And I was like, okay, these are great, but would I actually go here? Uh-huh. And you, you think that's a really simple question, but like it requires a lot of thinking. And I had to look at this list and I was like, dang, I would not go to more than half of these schools if I were to get in. Um, and a lot of it had to do with location for me. Personally, I know this is, this is kind of controversial. Like a lot of people think the opposite. But I wanted to stay relatively closer to home, like in Maryland would have been perfect on the East Coast would have been perfect. And so a lot of these colleges like Rice University in Houston, Texas, I was like, why am I even thinking about applying here? Like if I were to go, I mean, if I were to get in, I wouldn't even go. I would get in. Who knows? So um, that's kind of how I whittled down my list. Definitely. Okay. Yeah. Because I remember you talking about Hopkins and saying that you liked how close it was. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that does make sense. I really have to think about that because I don't even know if I want to go closer far. Like I really have no idea. But um like were you worried at all? This is just like a personal question I have. Were you worried at all that you didn't have enough safeties or targets or no? Um, so I had one safety school. Well, yeah, I had one safety school. Uh-huh. And for most people I would recommend having at least one to three. But the safety school that I was applying to, I, I pretty much knew that I was going to get in. It was UMBC. And so for the safety part, I wasn't really concerned too much. I was concerned that I applied to too many reach schools and not enough targets because a lot of the schools on my list, I think the only one that was actually a match school for me personally was University of Maryland. Basically, everything else was a reach school. And so after I had applied, I was like, oh, I probably should have applied to more match schools or schools like my wavelength. But um, now that the process is over, like I can't really do much about it. But that is something I would have 
like I personally might have thought about applying to like maybe one more match school did that did that like carry a weight on you like thinking that you should have um applied to more like schools your wavelength or was it okay since you knew that you had like schools you'd be happy at I think it was okay for me because I knew that if UMBC was my safety and I thought I had a really good chance of getting in and god forbid I didn't get into any other schools that I wanted to I would be more than happy at UMBC I so I toured UMBC um I think in February and March or March or something I had found out I got in early I found out I got in like December and I love that school like I will tell you honestly Katie this is this is me honestly telling you of all the schools that I toured and went to and you know observed this campus life the actual physical campus that I liked the best was probably UMBC really Maryland Baltimore County it was I I loved it I loved it and so did my mom she was with me and she was like obsessed and they had such good food in the dining hall like they gave us a little um coupon thing so both of us got like a free lunch or something and we went to the dining hall it was so good like I was I was in awe I just I wasn't expecting it you know I had my stereotypes I was like oh you know for a safety school it's gonna be like this 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 no Arisa it was amazing I loved it that's that's awesome that makes me so excited (laughs) <laughs> you're gonna love college Katie I'm so excited for you I think yeah I think I will love it too but um <laughs> wait I think I might have already asked this but I can't remember I don't think I did but did you okay so you said that you found out about UMBC in December did you apply to that early decision or no no I didn't apply to any school's early decision I applied to UMBC early action so I was just basically applying early but I wasn't like binding myself to any sort of contract and the reason okay. for that the reason for that being was because I had like all of my application stuff done pretty early. So I just wanted to get it in. Like so all of all of my college applications were in by September because I was just like, I don't want to, I don't want to have to wait any longer. But yeah. Oh my gosh. That's crazy. Most people are December like that. That's crazy. But wait, so you applied to all of them, but that's okay. Which one is the binding? Is it early decision? Yeah, early decision is binding. Early action is just like an early deadline, but not binding at all. And then regular decision is regular. Most of the time, that's in like January. So you, so you technically applied to all your schools early action. Basically, okay. yeah. But like, like a lot of my schools only had regular decision, so I was just applying by the regular decision deadline just earlier. Oh, okay. That that makes more sense because I was confused. I remember you didn't know until like March or April or something. So that makes more sense. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so did you think that this number, the eight schools, did you think, I guess you said that youth would think that you wish that you had applied to more, but eight is pretty close to 10. So do you think that, that this, that this was about right for you and you should have just applied to more like target schools or do you think that you should have applied to more? I think, I think eight schools is good. Honestly, I, the only regret I have is maybe not applying to one more match school because I think that stressed me out in the time. And ultimately, I got into more schools than I than I thought I would actually get into. But um, just having that one more match school would have given me a little bit of reinsurance at the time. Now, it doesn't really matter, but um, maybe like applied to one more match school. Um, and also like one like one of these schools I applied to was five hours away and I I knew in the back of my head that if I were to get in I wouldn't go but I still applied it was Colgate University in Hamilton New York and I think the only reason I applied was because the the university is so pretty and so like I I would probably have like taken Colgate out and applied to another match school like UMD or something of that caliber oh did you not apply to UMD I did apply to UMD, but that was my only, like, match Oh, okay, okay, I gotcha. Yeah, Yeah, UMD, UMD is such a good school, too. Um, It is. Yeah, people always forget how good UMBC and UMD are. Like, they are actually such good schools, and we're so lucky to have that in state. Oh my gosh, absolutely. Like, I'm so happy we're not, like, some Midwestern state. No, yeah. No, Midwestern (laughs) states, but, like... University of Maryland is very prestigious, and also it's it's a hard school to get into uh-huh. now. I think their acceptance rate is under fifty percent, which is it is bonkers. Yeah, like, that's crazy. Yeah. Um. 
And so I remember you telling me this as I asked, like, just for my own, like, personal curiosity. But so you only toured schools when you got in, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, when you got in, did you just immediately tour or did you think about, like, whether you'd even want to go? I, I thought about it because I know a lot of people, they choose to tour schools before applying so they know where to apply. Mm-hmm. But, like, me, knowing that I wasn't going to apply to, like, 50 million schools, I was like, I'll just tour them after. Because my whole thing was if I was to tour a school and fall in love with it and then not get in, I would be crushed. <laughs> so I was, I was trying to dissociate myself from as many schools as possible and then, like, check them out after I got in. Honestly, so, probably the mm-hmm. smarter choice. <laughs> just for people like us. Of the – so – I applied to eight schools. I got into six and then I got waitlisted at two. And of the six schools that I got into, I only toured three. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Because like, for example, I got into Colgate, right? But it's in Hamilton, New York. I already knew I wasn't going. Yeah. It was kind of a <laughs> kind of a waste of application fee, to be honest. So I was like, okay, I'm not gonna tour there. Um I got into University of Maryland, I kind of decided not to tour just because, like, compared to UMD, some of my other schools gave me more money. Yeah. So I was like, that just doesn't make sense. So I was like, if I were to pick, for example, in between UMBC and UMD, I would pick U- pick U- UMBC in a heartbeat. So I was like, I'm not going to tour UMD. There's no need to do that. And then the other school I didn't tour was George Washington, um, just because I didn't have time. Yeah, that's in, that's in D.C., right? Okay. Yes, it is. Um, so I and for but for the you said you got waitlisted to one school or two. I got waitlisted at two. I got waitlisted at Georgetown University, and I got waitlisted at Barnard College in New York. Okay, City. but um, so for those schools, uh, sorry, I think I had some microphone issue. But for um, for those schools, did you show any post waitlist? demonstrated interest like did you email anyone or anything because I, I see that all over my tiktok and it's just like i don't know so when i found out i had gotten like waitlisted at georgetown barnard i knew that i had gotten in to like hopkins penn um some of these other schools so i was like i honestly like don't want to and i have other great options that i didn't think i was gonna get into so i was like i'm just not going to and i didn't like send them a letter or like updated transcripts or anything. Um, I think I removed myself from the wait list for both of those schools, just so other kids who really, really wanted to go okay. to the shop. Um, so I didn't do any okay. of that. Yeah. Um, and then, so I guess, like you were saying, like with all your good options, I guess, how did you narrow it down to eventually choose Hopkins? Was it the location for you that was mainly a good thing, or were, did they give good financial aid too? I think it was it was both. The the schools that I ultimately just really ended up being in between was UMBC, Johns Hopkins, and the University of Pennsylvania. And those were also the schools that I had toured. And of those, Hopkins had given me the most in like institutional scholarships. Um, and it was enough to cover basically almost all of mm-hmm. tuition. So it was almost like a it was almost like a full tuition scholarship. And so I was really, really grateful for that because it made it pretty affordable. And Penn gave me, honestly, a very similar scholarship. It was a little bit less, but the fact that Penn was further away, Hopkins was close by, both of them were so similar in like yeah. the rankings. I was like, you know what? I really like Johns Hopkins. When I, when I used to want to be a doctor, like when I gave you that whole spiel about me wanting to be a doctor, Hopkins was my dream school. I hate, I don't like the word dream school. Neither do I. <laughs> I feel like it doesn't insinuate the right like idea, but like I really wanted to go to Hopkins at the time. And um, the fact that I had gotten in later and now I could go, not as a, well, not as a pre-med, but still, I think I was like, this has got to be some sort of fate thing. Also, yeah. also when I was, maybe I can find it. When I was in, oh, here we go. When I was in freshman year, so ninth grade, I had written this letter to myself in Mr. Carroll's classroom. I had him for English. Uh-huh. Was that an assignment that he did? Yes. This this was like the future letter thing. It was like a, it was a class grade. And he had given this um, letter to me senior year. And the first 
two lines, or the first couple of lines says, I can't believe that you've come so far. What college are you going to? UPenn or Hopkins? <laughs> I I was like, when I read that, when I got it back, I was like, what in the world? So I was like, this has to be like some sort of sign. Like this has got to be a sign from God or something. I would have freaked out because that that's crazy. I think I saw that on your private story and I was like, no way. <laughs> It was insane. I remember in Key, like the day before we were talking, you were like, yeah, I'm in between the two. (laughs) I just, I don't even know. I don't know what crack I was on freshman year thinking I would, like I had a shot at either. But I guess guess fate has a way of working itself out. Yeah. (laughs) But also the such like good thing about Hopkins too, is that if you want to switch, it's such a good school that all of their majors are so um giving like they have so much to give with every major you know like you'll be supported in any major which is so nice that is that is so true and Hopkins is a lot it's very flexible like you Mm -hmm. know how a lot of schools have gen ed requirements or core requirements and they're like you need to make sure you have these before you do any electives or whatever yeah Hopkins is super flexible they're like you need to take you know a couple of math classes in college maybe take some humanities classes everything else is up to you. They have distribution requirements, but only a few, like they're very small. So I think I have flexibility to take an art class if I want, or maybe like, you know, a theater class or something that I wouldn't typically do, but I have the option to now at Hopkins. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, did any of your AP credits transfer? <laughs> oh God. So, um, Johns Hopkins is a very STEM heavy school. And as a humanities major, going into Hopkins, um, I knew that they would not take a lot of like the AP scores that I did really well on, which were like humanity scores. Um, so they only took one of my AP credits, which was AP environmental science. Oh. The thing is, a lot of the STEM credits that I had, um, like for example, statistics and like computer science principles, they either wouldn't take or you need to get a five on them. And I had like fours or something. I think, yeah, I had fours on most of those. And so I was like, oh, dang. But it works out fine because, again, they don't have like the huge uh, core requirement policy. So yeah. I just, like, take those classes in different areas and just get them over with. Yeah, no, that's that's awesome. Yeah, I think I think I plan on going to probably a private college. And yeah. I don't even think I'm going to sign up for my test next year because I don't think I'm going to pass them. <laughs> I think I only I I only took half of my AP test this year just because I knew it was going to be a lot if I took all of them. But did you mean like you only signed up for half, or you only showed up for half? I only signed up for half. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but that's kind of it's a good idea to look into like well, what your interested schools take before actually taking the test because sometimes you don't even you you could save a lot of money just not taking them. Honestly, yeah. Um, but just kind of wrapping things up, if you ha- could have done anything different mm-hmm. in your application process, what would it be? Um, if I could have done anything different. Maybe there's nothing you would have done differently, but. I think I would have gotten my essays like proofread by someone because I like I was kind of I tried to keep to myself in the college application process because I didn't want like, you know, um like the evil eye or like bad karma coming my way if someone knew that I was doing something so I was like I'm just gonna try to like stay humble throughout the process yeah and, and I'm sure also I'm sure you had like the whole world asking you where you were going oh to God. just because you're so involved with the school you know oh well I mean I, I tried to keep to myself in the process because like humility is really really important for people applying to college always be humble because you don't know where you're going to get in you don't know what's going to happen the process like, it's very much, like, random. Someone yeah. could have eaten a bad sandwich that morning. You know, they were in a bad mood. They read your essay. It was an amazing essay. And on any other day, they would have accepted it. But that day, they were like, you know what? The sandwich really made me sour. So I am going to reject this person. That could very easily happen. Like, it's a yeah. process. And for that reason, um, advice that I would give to other people and advice that I would give to myself, even to this day, is to always be humble um, and supportive of other people, and always get your essays proofread. This is something I didn't do, and literally after I submitted my application, I realized that I was like, 
missing commas in um my common app essay and like I had spelled a word wrong I don't even know how I didn't pick that up oh (laughs) no it was definitely get your things proofread I think I just got lucky they probably they were like oh god what is this girl up to but yeah (laughs) (laughs) um and just just for senior year as a whole what do you have any just overall advice not even about the application process or about it but just for the whole of senior year do you have any advice for any seniors yeah, so number one, like, enjoy it because it's going to go by fast and everyone says this, but senior year is so much fun. I had so much fun. I really miss high school and I wish I could just, like, walk back into South River and just sit in a class. Like, that sounds so stupid, but I wish Aww. I could do it. Like, you guys are going to miss high school, honestly, as much as you want it to be over with. So cherish the time that you have as a senior. Again, be humble in everything that you do from college to, you know, your coursework, to extracurriculars, to whatever awards that you guys might be getting. Um, just be humble, you know, it's okay to be proud of yourself, but never ever gloat, things like that. Um, for the college application process, make sure you start early. I had, well, this is again, kind of extra. You don't really need to do this, but starting early will definitely take some stress off of you senior year. I had like my essays, my extracurricular list, all of my, um, supplemental essays written by July. So I just had to submit things in September. I also asked for recommendation letters pretty early. So it's nice to just have that stuff done and not worry about it at all senior year. Um, Be gracious with your teachers. If you're asking them for letters of recommendation or whoever you're asking for a letter, make sure you know you give them a gift or like a thank you card or express your gratitude afterwards because it, it takes time to write yep. letters and they want you to get into these schools so they want to write the best letter possible and so um to you you know it might just seem like a one-time thing but to them it could be countless hours you know yeah days without sleep so make sure you're being very very gracious with them and expressing their thanks um, um by by meaning like by saying that you um asked for your recommendations early by mm-hmm. early do you mean like this time last year yeah, pretty much. I asked for okay. them, like the last week of school, basically my junior year. Okay, sounds good. Yeah, because we were just talking about that in school today, and yeah. I was pondering like sending out an email or two. But do you think I should like? Do you think if someone is going to ask for a rec, do you think that they should go up to them in person and yes, ask? Okay, because I like I heard in person, then I was like, oh, that's too pushy. But I was like, I think it, like a personal touch is better. <laughs> Yeah, and it's, I mean, it's not going to be pushy if it's, like, people that you know for a fact will write you a letter. So I would definitely ask in person. It just means a lot more. Last year, I had to send emails because it was literally virtual school. But I wish I could have asked my teachers for letters in person because I know it would have meant a lot more. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I think that is all. Thank you so much, Arisa, for your time. It was so nice talking to you. Of course. I miss you, Katie. I miss everything. I miss I know. We should go get lunch before you leave for school. Yes, we should. There's a bunch of, like, new places that opened up near my house. We should definitely go sometime. Oh, yes, for sure. Okay, thank you, Arisa. Have a good one.